Hello, welcome back or welcome to the Earth to Corey podcast. Today we have the the beautiful, the fantastic, the highly educated living out in BC. We have Grant. Uh, Grant, how are you doing? Not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, doing good. Doing good. Um, yeah, we are just talking off camera about how I am now working in your old stomping ground. So mm-hmm. small, small town, small town. Good times. Nothing but fond memories. Nothing but fond memories. Yeah, so I'm really, really excited to hear about like some of the work you've been doing uh, in school. Because mm-hmm. I believe you mentioned on the last episode that you were on, uh, the episode you and uh, Reed were on, that you're working to become a, a like medical professional, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, uh, uh, Yeah, I guess I'll just like go a little bit into that. I'll just introduce myself. Hello, y'all. Yeah, go uh, for it. Uh, my name is Grant. Uh, I am going into my last year of my First Nations and Indigenous Studies degree. And uh, like Corey said on my last uh, introduction to the podcast, I yes, I was working uh, a little bit in some studies to further develop into going to medical school. So that's the aim right now. And yeah, just whatever questions you have. Sweet. Um, I, I think like it's, it's really important that you are going through into medical school with, uh, I, I think a lot of people go through like engineering or like biz farm, but actually going through like um, indigenous studies is such a like, I, I want to say like novel idea or genius idea considering like the uh, social landscape in Canada. Is there, mm-hmm. was there any attention to that or was it just like, sweet, I'll do it? Uh, somewhat. So uh first and foremost i've done already like a couple of years of um first nation or sorry uh micro immunology and microbiology i only done about a couple of years of that yeah. but as much as i enjoyed biology to begin with i grew in a little bit almost disconnected and somewhat of a disdain for it because the amount of lab work that went into it it drained absolutely the hell out of me because in tandem with your classes that you already have we had to do three hour lab sessions which was once a week but if majority of my classes are going to be biology courses or roughly the same there you would need to take a lab with that and yeah. so i yeah i got a, got tired of it i got absolutely drained from it i as much as i enjoy the hell out of it i just thought okay i should probably rethink this and do something because i knew i for sure wanted to go into medical school i wanted to become uh, a doctor and so i started talking around and just trying to figure things out for myself and then once i figured out that pretty much it would be nice if you were to have sure like a science degree which can help with the mcat uh for canadian academic institutions you really just need a bachelor's degree and to do well on the MCAT. So I thought what degree I could take that can help. So um, being Indigenous myself and having a mother that is also working in the medical field, it really helped propel me to go into that field. And Indigenous studies, the more that I learned about it, the more that I go into my degree, uh, you learn about all the injustices that happen um not only like in canadian society but like uh specifically if you look into the healthcare field there are a lot of things that really perpetuate um colonial notions of medicine which can definitely like deter indigenous people from seeking help to begin with yeah so how would you go about that from a culturally safe and representative way for indigenous people and so when i thought about taking my degree to do that it for me it felt like a natural step being an indigenous person myself i really want to make sure that if i'm going to pursue um, medical school that i try not to perpetuate those notions onto my people or into anybody else that i hopefully i'm going to be working with yeah 100 i i find like like teaching um, 
because we, we, we do our best to, to try and have as much indigenous uh, like wisdom in, into our curriculum or make things uh, more less uh, like colonial. And and so many times you're, you're like teaching things. It's like, okay, this is from the Western science perspective. And this is actually a big discovery for them. But this is something that like elders have known for literally generations. Like, um, like just even, I, I know like Western science is now and, and healthcare is now coming with this like holistic health. But that's that's just how, how healing should have always been, right? Yeah, so um, there, there's pretty much like a no notion that to help someone there needs to be like a diagnosis, there needs to be like some sort of prescription, there needs to be like a fine-tuned way to help someone out when in people's health, it is almost like a spectrum of things that you need to consider of how to help someone. And I don't say treat because you don't treat, you're supposed to help someone. So that's another way to de, uh, decolonize these Western ways of thinking, especially you don't say you're going to treat someone or you're going to prescribe something. You try to say that you're, you want to help them. And in order to do that and to be a proper healer, um, it's to really consider like all the aspects of their life. So it takes a lot, honestly. Don't get me wrong; it's it's not easy. I mean, yeah. Which is a part of the reason why you go to medical school to yeah. begin with to become a doctor. It's going to take years of practice to do so, but it is something that is further put on academic institutions, which is great. And I absolutely love that. And depending on where I go, yeah, it's uh, it's something I look forward for medical school. Yeah, that's really important. Even even just looking at, like, let, let's say, Canada, the United States, like the the number one killer is um, like heart disease, right? And you you can put people on statins all you want, but is that really going to solve the systemic issue? Or the issue, the habitual issue in their life that is leading leading them to be susceptible to heart disease. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yeah, like just for that example, like there's multiple reasons to why someone could have heart disease to begin with. So whether it is perhaps maybe genetics, maybe perhaps it's just their lifestyle. Um, and so I have noticed that some of my academic articles that I've been reading is that they do take a holistic approach into trying to help people. And if we go by your example of say like heart disease, um, they would take more into consideration than just simple prescription for your heart. It goes further and beyond that. And that's something that I would like to try to continue. Like, even though like it's not specifically heart disease or anything yeah. like that just to begin with but it's something i would like to carry forward when i go on to medical school you can't you, you don't need a uh, doctor to be my doctor grant okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you oh, can you too much you too much man <laughs> you can you can heal me any any way any way you need um so soothing sound of my voice is all you need yeah yeah ba basically it'll be like I'll call you up next time I, I like can't sleep or something, and uh, you'll you'll heal me heal me to bed. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so my my listeners are from the UK, and maybe maybe we should have started here. Um, so what? Well, I, I don't want to necessarily ask you like what colonization is because that's that's a huge long uh, podcast. But like, what are some of the interesting things that you've taken as part of your degree? that maybe the average person wouldn't know about? Uh, I suppose how historically, like whether it be my people or any other indigenous people before, um, like settlers before any Europeans came say to this continent, is how we traditionally like helped our society. Um, so we how we helped our people, our traditional medicines, um, and there are multiple aspects of that. So uh, I don't know, it's it's pretty loaded. I'm just trying to think about 
how yeah i don't know it's pretty there's a lot to say here honestly yeah sorry um it's a, it's a deep question but like even if like one thing that's interesting if you want to shout it out that's totally cool yeah like just one thing that for sure jumps out to mind it would have to definitely be like the cultural aspect of it like it's totally different from thinking about how i'm going to apply my degree to certain situations because when you think about how other people's work try to help indigenous people sometimes their work can negatively affect indigenous people in some sort of way so an example for anthropologists what what they've done is that there are certain indigenous groups here in bc and or in british columbia and during the 70s they ruled that an indigenous people in the okanagan valley were quote-unquote extinct from canada but that doesn't make any sense because the indigenous people were here to begin with however where their settlement was was actually in the states so to say that a people is extinct without understanding that they were here and are here to begin with that their home is now located federally in the states kind of really just perpetuates just that this land that they're historically situated upon uh is not theirs anymore so what actually happened was during uh they went to the supreme court of canada to argue that of course like we're here we have our documents not only from uh settlers but also from our oral traditions to say like yes we are still actively here and fortunately yeah the supreme court of canada ruled that that yes they are not extinct that they're still alive and well in canada but it's just something that i feel that shouldn't have begun to begin with because they had to go to the courts to argue that yes we're here so if you try to think about it like your people like regardless of who you are if you if the government tells you that you don't you and your people don't exist however you're already you're still on the land you're still in the country how do you go about to try and secure i guess your identity historically your land where it's been situated how do you reclaim that yeah and why should you reclaim that to begin with because you're still here so like this is something that we have to take in consideration for uh if we're doing justice systems or land and environmental issues as just one tiny aspect of my degree so which is why it was kind of difficult earlier because i'm just like there's so much actually just to really think about and in this tiny situation, it, although I say tiny compared to the grand scheme of things, but it's actually huge because they took it to the Supreme Court. Yeah. But there's just so much application for this. And to me, it's just really exciting. And although everybody else can go their own way with this degree to try and help Indigenous people, what I'm trying to do specifically is through health because the healthcare system has historically and continues to negatively uh affect indigenous people in some sort of some shape or form and especially culturally like thinking about in saskatchewan which is where you are right now yeah uh any of the northern communities there's not really that much of a huge trust in doctors or nurses or the ambulance or anything like that because there's reasons why they don't trust them and although it is disheartening because sometimes there are huge glaring issues with health on these in these communities it is understandable why they are distrustful of that so for example for like doctors um they like there's just an example i can think of where they're trying to treat a mother and notice that their son was ill and called social services on the mom and got the kid taken away so although i'm not gonna of course divulge any more information but that's just like yeah. one example the reason why i shouldn't trust this doctor and i'm not advocating for the continued distrust of either or i would just rather try to as myself try to help bridge that gap i suppose yeah and 100 and if uh 
if, if you go to the doctor and, and have your child taken away, um, like, are you ever going to go to the doctor again? And, and what, what are you going to tell your friends? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. it, it's an ongoing issue that kind of somewhat still happens today. Like it's, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a lot better than what it's before, but to me, there shouldn't be a problem to begin with, but yeah, that's just, it's unfortunately how it is. And I don't like that, but as I said, I want to try and help that. I think one of the most important things I'm going to look back at this podcast over in like 10, 20 years, um, assuming it's still around is that I get to have these conversations and just like figure, like see examples of privilege. Um, Cause like I could not as a, as a, a white guy, imagine having to take uh, the fact I'm not extinct to the, to the, literally the court, like the highest court in Canada. Like I'm, I'm happy that like I'm always happy when the the judges, the Supreme Court rules with uh like the people instead of the government because we all know the government deserves it. But as as you said, like it shouldn't have been a problem in the first place. Yeah, like I to me that's already another issue to begin with if, in the legal system that those people had to prove that they themselves exist. Yeah, and. There, of course, there always could be an argument to why people should do that if they're declared extinct or whatever. To me, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever because uh, in this specific example, they've always claimed that territory even way before or let alone uh, settlers were here to begin with. Yeah. But now all of a sudden there's an imposed government such as Canada telling these people that you don't exist I, yeah there's there's a huge issue with that and them having to go to court to tell them of course like we're still here it's it's something man it, it's it's way up there it's it's yeah when when you say it, it it's it's so ridiculous but then it's also so heartbreaking because like we're, we're not just trying to pull someone's leg like this is just people's daily lives and if, if anyone I imagine has been to court for literally anything, you, you have to know it's not a good process. Like it's, it's not a user-friendly process. Um, so. Yep. A lot of time and money for sure. So uh, what, uh, so you're, you're finishing, you're in your last year now, hey? Yep. That I and, and I understand this summer you did something like that was pretty degree related. Uh, somewhat. So. During the summer, I mostly just took summer courses for, yeah. for my degree, just to make sure that I catch up on the credits uh, and whatnot. But for the beginning part of the summer, I was still doing the the project that I mentioned in the last podcast, I'm pretty sure, was with the substance use. And so we, to reiterate, I was working with a uh, provincial organization to look into safer and alternative methods for methamphetamines and that what that looks like would be injection or tablet and so this would be in clinics like controlled environments yeah and what this is meant to do is to help people who are sick and suffering from substance use to make sure that they get off of it uh so that it doesn't of course deter deter their health or anything yeah. like that and so that project has still been going on from April of last year. And so with COVID, that definitely took like a huge impact on it. It takes a lot of time because a lot of people are trying to, of course, be safe, not yeah. in close contact or anything like that. Uh, and so, yeah, I've been doing that ever since the uh, beginning of the summer. Uh, got to connect with some other doctors and then uh, got to chat with them about other prospects. And so, once I, my time was finished with that project, I started talking with some other doctors with their other departments just to see, just to kind of pitch myself like, yeah, uh, this is what I'm doing. I am going into medical school. I'm just looking for kind of like uh, some experience, really. Like I, I would like to work. Of course, I'm not, I wouldn't imagine if I got paid for that. That's not the reason why I wanted to do it because I want to learn as much as I can. And so I got to chat with a few doctors just to make sure if I can uh, be able to do that. And they said, depending on the whole COVID situation, uh, 
can definitely bring you on for the fall, if not winter, and you can just shadow. So the one department that I was brought into kind of was the um, social work. So essentially they do is that they go into specific patients' rooms, those who are indigenous, who are suffering from substance use, and really just learn from them about how they got to this point, ask questions uh, in a very holistic manner. Of course, this isn't something that you interrogate them about, like, why are you like this or anything like that? That's the whole point of this. The whole point is so that you can learn and help them. And because each person is unique in the sense that it's a case-by-case basis so that was something that was brought to the table and then during the summer uh things kind of quiet down here my province anyways things have quite quiet down a lot of people were hanging outside more and then now with the fall coming back uh things are just kind of like amped up a little bit yeah same here uh hope like hopefully like it still be brought on otherwise i'm not totally choked up about it i understand from a healthcare perspective like i don't want to get i don't want to hurt people if i don't have to be there yeah so um yeah that's just for the time being but otherwise yeah i got other things going on for school but yeah i'm so jealous of you like it seems everything you you're doing in like school and stuff is like oh yeah this is this actively is helping better people's lives and like don't get me wrong i really enjoyed my biology degree but uh you know, I I know a lot about plants, but I di- I didn't go out there and like help people or mm-hmm. stuff like that. Where I'm I'm glad like you're you're able to take that role. It sounds it sounds like not only like enjoyable but rewarding. And I find yeah. like yeah, it's just it's just something that I uh, I guess I grew up on. Uh, when I think about my people, I think about my community about my family it's just been nothing that like like i think about examples like why did you help that person or whatever like i when i think about it it's like why did you help that person but the whole point is i shouldn't be asking that to begin with the point is to help them anyway yeah so yeah i don't know i think that just as i grow up you know get wiser maybe i get like an extra third hair on my chin you know (laughs) I get a little bit more wiser that you know what I I shouldn't be having to think of why they're helping them, but rather just that they're helping them, and that's it. Man, this is uh, one one of these days. I I feel like you're gonna be a superhero or something. You just you just know all the lines. Like uh, I'm I'm just saying no. You're gonna you're gonna save a bunch of like babies from like a burning house, (laughs) and then then instantly you'll still be holding the children. They'll put a like microphone in your face. And you'll rattle off like a ten minute speech on uh, how how we should all just be like better people or something. Oh, you would. Oh, you too much. No way. <laughs> they'll, they'll, and, and like you'll, they'll put it the entire thing on the news and like we just can't cut this. <laughs> yeah, the whole ten minute thing. Please. Yeah, we're not editing this out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, none none of this could be could be uh, removed. So uh, what's what's up in this last year? Like, are is there any like big classes you're really excited for? Or? Uh, yeah, so specifically my practicum, that's something I'm really interested about. I absolutely love that. That one is so cool to me. Uh, what we're doing right now is that for my practicum, instead of just simply like reading research articles and writing a paper and then graduating, what yeah. we're actually doing is that we're going to be working with uh, organizations that want to help Indigenous people or communities. So we had like someone from a specific nation and their chief was there. And, and yeah, they simply said that we're just looking for someone to help with our certain needs. And the same thing with their organizations. And we get to choose. So we got to meet with 20 of them. And there are a few of us in the class. So we got a huge wide selection. Okay. And we get to choose our top three, make our application letter, send it off and then get approved for them and then we essentially have to do our proposal which goes to the ethics board and once the ethics board approves it then we start working for them which can begin sometime in december or january but either then it goes up until april so that's something that i'm really interested about and as much as i would love to like talk about 
the organizations and the type of stuff that we're going to be doing with them. It's kind of like what I already talked about to begin with, where I yeah. just want to like help people in like a healthcare setting. So some of the organizations that I apply to are healthcare oriented yeah. or uh, they are some sort of justice council. So those are the ones I uh, have applied to. Hopefully they, you know, they choose the boy. We still got to do interviews. Looking forward to that. Um, so as much as I can talk about more of them, I feel like I would be re reiterating the same point as before. And then the other class that I'm taking right now, which is kind of cool, called Indigenous in Media. So that one, one of the projects that the lady introduced was that Indigenous New Media, instead of thinking about how to get Indigenous voices into uh, media to begin with, such as like a book, film, uh, like a comic book or something like that, yeah. you know, how people would normally express how they feel about certain things. For Indigenous New Media, they were looking to different applications, and this new application, for example, was VR, or video games, which is okay. interesting. Yeah. And so this artist, what she did was she created a uh, VR experience to express her art. And how she did that was she set it up through the VR. And what it was, was uh, the, I want to say almost like the reclamation of Toronto in, and in natural and in indigenous setting. So how would that look like? What essentially what it was, it's, very plain plain Jane. You can see all the skyscrapers around you. You can see all the plazas. You can see all the buildings. However, they are overrun. They have vines. It's almost like a post-apocalyptic setting. There's ponds everywhere. There's vines overgrown. The buildings are not collapsed. They're still there, but they're giving almost like a almost like a facelift to what they would look like if they were covered in a natural environment. And it showed the indigenous people that inhabit the land going about their day so you can see like traditional ceremonies being set up you can see like their settings off on a rooftop in calgary or sorry in calgary yeah. in toronto and them doing partially like in my culture it would be called a sweat lodge i'm not too sure what they would call it there um and then you would hear like disembodied voices like throughout the whole experience since it's vr so you can look around yeah the audio is also in 3D. So here's something to the left. You look to the left, and there it is. Ah, uh, sick. And you would hear dis you would hear disembodied voices, and it's in the indigenous language. So it'd be in the Shinabe, Haudenosaunee, and Wendat, and it would show like a floating text of what it would look like in their language, and then it would do the translated version so you can yeah. read it. But it would be all these disembodied voices around you, and like in a 360 way, and it was actually so cool. It only that... took like seven minutes. Oh man, that sounds so cool. Yeah, and, and I was just thinking about like, as much as I love that, like how would that be in a horror setting? I, I'm a huge horror like horror type. Like of like v horror and VR, or yeah, just like, how, just how like. How would that look like? Yeah. yeah. Like, how would that look like if if you're to take like like indigenous horror storytelling elements into a VR? What would that look like? So one of the things that popped up in the VR was that you're set into the middle of this plaza in Toronto. And like I said, there's like ponds around. You can see like cranes. You can see like a bunch of uh, like wildlife, like birds and stuff like flying through the air, like geese. And you can hear like frogs in the middle of what should be like a hustle and bustle yeah. type of city. Car horns. You should see like a bunch of light pollution because of the streetlights. But there's nothing. It's actually just eerie as hell. And so I'm thinking about that like, oh, that's just creepy. And then like you hear a voice and then you turn around and then you see this girl like she's on her knees and she's like looks like digging something out of the mud to like collect something or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it looks eerie because you see it from a far away and she's not really interacting with you or whatever. But I'm like thinking, oh, that would be cool if it was, I don't know, like spooky in some sort of way. I don't know. Yeah, like it's like made, October. made made intentionally to to like be be a little horror. Um, yeah, like it's it's creepy to begin with, but imagine that if it was like meant to be in like in a horror setting. I'm in the spooky mood of a spooktober, so that's why I just was like really thinking about that. 
Really I cool. think I think one of the most powerful art pieces I ever saw. Um, it was for the uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women, um, and mm -hmm. and on campus at the U of S, they they just hung a bunch of red dresses, like mm -hmm. on trees. Yeah, that, I I remember that. And that I was scary as shit. I remember walking home from labs, like, and it's dark, of course, and uh -huh. the wind blows, and, and just out of the corner of the eyes, you see, like, red movement, and, yeah. like, it, it really, like, that, out of all the art things I, I've seen on campus, like, that's the one that always jumps to my mind, it's, like, the most powerful. Yeah, it's, like, on a very face value approach to it yes of course it's to me it was scary because it actually scared me a few times same thing i came from like labs finished at like 8 30 p.m come yeah. outside and then sure enough you see something moving it freaks you out you look at it and it's in like it's somebody you look up and then sure enough it's just a dress but at the corner of your eye it was like it's really like for me it, it scared me but like when you really think about it it's very captivating as one of the most or like influential art pieces that could come out really and it really and, demonstrates like the whole like missing and murdered indigenous women yeah like not not only are you you put you're scared like i imagine the, these families uh obviously these women uh were and then then you you look at it and and all you see is like the an, an empty dress right so like you're you're initially scared and then you you said you see emptiness um which i imagine again these families are feeling yeah, there's uh, like art is subjective in itself, so you can feel however. But like, for something like that, it was totally, to me, captivating. I think it demonstrated it quite well to the whole situation. Just like hanging red dresses from trees, they weren't even unison either. They were like hung up all over the place. Oh yeah, and 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 it wouldn't have been powerful if they were all just like. They put up maybe like in the middle of the bowl, like everything like pace by pace or whatever, like one foot apart, all these dresses and made like uh, them in one. It was no, they were literally everywhere. Um, yeah. And like some were higher up, somewhere, yeah, somewhere lower down, somewhere inside, somewhere outside. Like it was really cool. Well, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, cool's cool's probably definitely not the way to describe it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it it was interesting for sure. It was interesting enough that it's on this podcast years later. Um, yeah, here here we are. No, that's that's really good, and and obviously you're you're a better host than me. You're like, oh, you know, we'll we'll talk about something else instead of answering that question because uh, <laughs> I've already answered it. So yeah, I don't want to reiterate the same points, but yeah, uh, I guess yeah. How was your day teaching at your new school um i actually love it so much like it's just so nice like all, all the staff are, are just like very pleasant like the kids are like they, they need love um and and that's that's a little pleasant as about them like in the uk you find lots of these kids they come in with what seems like a chip on their shoulder like you need to make them work but mm. here it's like the only time I have a student not working more or less is is because they don't know how to do it and, and they might be like worried about doing it wrong. So my, my only issue or my, my only like teaching thing I need to do is essentially like try to break it down and try to like communicate it in a way they'll understand. I don't I don't have to sell these kids on wanting to learn. They they all generally show up and are like I even even if it's like like we're learning like um like place value or something in, in math which is important to understand numbers and stuff but i i feel like as a 10 year old you're not gonna really care but these kids still show up and they're like oh yeah well math is important or like i do need this and and even if i maybe don't see all the pieces why this is important right now like i'm still gonna show up and like give it a try which i'm loving nice it's great to hear. Yeah, I'm just thinking about before this whole thing started, Corey and I were actually just talking about uh, how I used to go to the school that he was he is teaching at right now. And that was after the school that he and I went to for a few years. And the school that I went to, which is he currently teaching at right now, 
it is interesting. In my time growing up, uh, it was something that. Oh man, I was I was just a badass kid for no reason. Like I'm just <laughs> just actually just a ruckus for whatever. Like I remember, like I'll tell a story. I remember we'd like ditch class for like what grade six, I think. I think grade six. For whatever reason, just ditched it. Didn't care. Who cares if they called our parents? Whatever, we didn't care. We're gonna go steal some snacks from this local store, and then as we're walking back, uh, the vice principal of the school came out and almost like lectured at us. She's like, "Oh, you guys shouldn't be doing that. Uh, your parents could be worried sick about you, or something like that." And we're like all sitting like lined up against the fence. We're like, "We don't care." Like. <laughs> We don't care at all. Like we're we're hungry. <laughs> yeah. We just want snacks. Uh, it just got me like thinking about like, oh my god, like where he's teaching out now. I think about me at that age. I'm like, ah, what a what a bad kid. <laughs> but like, what a guy. Also, like like the kids are definitely led with the the carrot to come to the building. So lots of these kids uh, wouldn't necessarily have lunch unless they they came to school. Um, oh yeah, like like don't get me wrong, what they're like those kids, of course, what they're doing is is totally up to them. Yeah, like under their con- own conditions. For me myself, as a kid at that age, with the people I was hanging out with, oh man, we didn't care. We're, <laughs> we're just bad for no reason. That's not to say that those kids there right now are the same way. Of course not, duh. Because what happened to this was like years ago. But oh my god, what a time. Yeah, um, I, I I had a few kids like try try to act like hard or whatever, and as as soon as I sort of like start doing the UK teacher thing, like okay, look at me, like why why are you doing this? Like explain it, like always putting it on the kid. They they seem to crumble, or or all the kid like very frustrated and like threatened to walk out, and and, and the answer is always like you are always welcome to do that, like you chose to be here. You know, like, and, and obviously if the kids to walk out, then that triggers a process of like, okay, make sure they're like, someone knows where they are. And then we need to have a conversation with the parents. But um, like, just, just allowing the kids to know, like so many times they're, they're like, trying, trying to um, enact power. And, and almost every time so far, I'm like, yeah, but like, you're, you're always actually welcome to do that. You know, <laughs> like, um, you have and, the autonomy. And and then as soon as they realize that, and as soon as they like actually find the boundaries, I'm like, okay, I actually do get to have power over things. This is what I have to have power over. But like everything else is, is sort of like given to me, like uh, how to do the things, what I'm supposed to do. They they like generally people start to chill out. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that I guess can. Is interesting. I think it like can definitely, even though they are just kids. Don't get me wrong. Like they're they're young. They can thrash out whatever kids are. Yeah. Kids. But uh, I think it's nice to know that if you can demonstrate that, like, hey, like only here to help you. Uh, uh, if you want to leave, by all means, go ahead. You're not forced to stay here. I think it definitely allows for them to have control over their situation. And depending on what they choose, yeah, you can go forward with that so if they do walk out then like you said you can talk to the parents about it but if they do want to stay and sure maybe they were thrashing out then you can just work with them more about exactly yeah to be done and and it, and if a student's like incredibly frustrated in the room and and whatever is like well first of all as soon as they know they've chosen to be here like the, the the power is a little bit different right like we've, we've all been dragged to a function and just like oh i hate it versus like mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like I'm actively doing this by choice, and then yeah. then it, like if it's if it's something um, in the room that's bothering them, like as soon as you can communicate that, and as soon as kids can articulate that, you can actually solve it. I think the biggest problem with kids or the biggest issues they face is lack of uh, autonomy. So they don't have control over anything. Like they might not choose what they eat, they might not choose what they wear, they don't really choose their schedule. And then mm-hmm. lack of the ability to articulate uh, what issues they're having. So kids, like if a kid feels a very strong emotion, but they can't put it to words, or they, they don't know how to communicate it effectively, 
like they're going to like cry or act aggressively or something like that. And it's it's all just like almost realizing that like okay, somebody's got this this student going and then de-escalating um to to a point where they can effectively communicate what's their issue. I'm just thinking about <clears throat> ever since you started there, uh, because you lived in like back home for how long again? Like, um, before I started here. August. Yeah, yeah I, I moved early August. Okay. Yeah, I'm just thinking about like, like now that you're back home, how are things a little bit more different now since I guess you can say school started? Has anything really like changed back home, or is it? Um, because it's it's almost like the first time that we had, uh, I guess in person contact, yeah, like classes yeah. or any, like in a while. Because it's of course it's a lot more different here, but like you know from your perspective. Uh, so from a teacher's perspective, like we are still getting new kids every day, that um, mm -hmm. their parents have decided like oh yeah like we'll we'll send them to school this year, um, and 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 we still have kids who uh like like there's COVID in every school. Um, so we have classes that are like on what they, they call like lockdown, meaning that the, these kids, so for some reason, if you have COVID and asymptomatic, you're allowed to come to school. Um, that's government guidelines, whatever, or, or at least uh, like the school district guidelines. And, and if there's an active, or if there was an active COVID case in your class and you're like a close contact and you're unvaccinated as a student, you're still allowed to come to school. So um, we, we have classes where it's like, oh, they can't do extracurricular and stuff like that. But, um, and, and we have parents that are pulling their kids out because of that, which fair enough. But these kids, um, like last year was essentially like not, not really happening. And if it's anything like the, uh, the UK timeline in, in North America, like they maybe got half to uh, three quarters of the the previous school year, so hmm. lots of these kids are are like um, considered like quote unquote behind, or they're they're not um, able to access the curriculum that they should be in, or they would normally be on for that year. Yeah, but um, you like you you have these kids, and and they still need to learn, right? So like the grade eight group from last year, so if they were grade eight age last year, even if they didn't attend school. That, like they're in high school now um mm -hmm. and then we have like i think grade sixes where we only have or grade fives i think where we only have data from like grade three on them so like right now we're doing just a lot of like baseline tests if that makes sense so like learning trying to find the reading levels trying to find what math they're, they're able to access stuff like that and uh like nor normally most teachers would be like pretty into the curriculum by now being, being that we're at the end of October, but like we have teachers um, that just like haven't even started the curriculum yet because they're, they're still just trying to figure out where their kids are and set those classroom expectations. And, and yeah. our admin staff is like, that's okay. Like don't, don't try to teach them skills if they, they don't have the prerequisite skills. Like what's the point? Teach those prerequisite skills. If if stuff's not on the report card, whatever. Like we'll mm -hmm. we'll just say in the comments, like, yeah, we were uh teaching prerequisite skills. It at the end of the day, like um the the admin, so I assume the entire school district is being very good for actually caring about where these kids are and uh getting getting them back into school um as, as a place not to uh, not not ignoring the fact that their lives have been turned upside upside down for a year and a half, almost two years. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because like I'm just thinking about here, uh, out in BC, since I already live in like a huge city to begin with, uh, at the university where we're all adults, assumably, yeah. like, um things are just kind of different here of course like from an elementary school standpoint versus a university yes things are going to be different uh, but for here yes there's 
a lot of guidelines still in place. Uh, they really put it onto the students or to the faculty and staff that if you're feeling anything whatsoever, any type of like it could be in some sort of system symptom, whether it be a cough or simply just like a fever. Um, yeah. They're advising us just to stay home. And if even if we don't want to show up to class, there are still uh, Zoom links that we can okay. join that puts us in a class to begin with. Yeah. So uh, here, ever since school started, it's been really kind of a hybrid, but back to normal. We still have that choice if we want to go back to Zoom. And I don't know, the people on campus, there's, there's a lot of people here. Uh, but we all wear our masks. Uh, hopefully everybody is vaccinated and keeping safe. But that's it's really just up on us to make sure that we have that informed decision if we are sick, just to stay home so that we can protect others. That's good. And, and it seems like there's no massive... Uh like disadvantages to, to being sick, right? Like, like sure, personally, I don't learn as well over Zoom. Um, but at the same time, it, it knowing that like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of feeling sick, but I could watch this on Zoom and not endanger my classmates is a better option than like going into school and potentially endangering my classmates. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been interesting here. It's a lot of people like it's weird. Don't get me wrong. It's weird seeing just so many people here. I am so yeah. used to this campus being so just dead. Like yeah, really yeah. Here on campus, but now that everything's back full and swing, now they opened up the campus. It seems like people are uh, keeping safe and not really keeping to themselves, but. If something does happen, that they do, of course, keep to themselves, such as isolating themselves, staying home, not yeah. coming out. Uh, no, everybody, that's... like every single one of my classes, every single building that I go into, there's always someone wearing a mask, which is great. Um, yeah, it's just it's a different vibe here on campus now. It's still taking a little bit of time to acclimate to, but it is uh, it's interesting, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and, and luckily on a campus, like, you can take that sort of, like, I'm showing up to work approach um, as, as a student. Like, like uh, oh, yeah. Like, how many people, like, they, they ch finish their shift and just, like, hang out at, at the office? Like, very, very few. Um, and I feel like as university students, it's easier to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to my lectures, maybe to the library, or maybe I'm going to minimize my time here by just studying at home. So like you're you're very much set up to uh to be able to do that adultly. Whereas like I remember at university where it's like finish classes, we'll just sit around and talk in some like public area. Whereas I, I imagine that would be a little like socially not as uh not as fly as it was. Uh I don't know. Like right now I do see that quite a bit. Like a lot of people will still go out to the library to go hang out to go do some study sessions. Okay. And there are, don't get me wrong, there still are people who uh like who are solo, but I do I still see groups of people, but like I said, they're still wearing the mask. Yeah. Uh they're away from most other groups of people. Um like it still happens, but it's not yeah. as odd as you think it is. Or at least they're they're like intentionally sort of bubbling as as a small group, yeah. which again, like they're adults, so like make make that call. Yeah, yeah. So are your just uh so are your teachers uh, or profs or whatever their um, title is are they teaching like the Zoom at the same time as their in person lecture? Yeah. So, uh, all my classes. Yeah. So I have five classes. One of them is completely online, so I don't I don't have to meet up with anybody. Uh, but the rest of my classes, yes, there is a Zoom link option. So usually they'll have what's called like a, the Zoom cart. So they'll bring in like a TV for people who tune into Zoom. You can see their almost like their faces on the okay. TV that they have. You know that they're attending the class. Yeah. And then on top of the TV would be a camera so they can see the whole class to begin with. And yeah, it's, I don't know, it doesn't feel any more different than 
as if we were going to be in Zoom, just rolling in person. Yeah. Sure. At first, it was just like, oh, that's kind of weird, kind of cool. I kind of like it. But now you're just used to it. That's good. I, I remember like having to do that in UK, but um, like we, we were not given a Zoom card, and it was it was quite it was like you're trying to do demonstrations and stuff, and it's like yeah. oh, like I, I I can't do both at the same time. But I guess as a university uh, or teaching in a university, it's a lot more like verbal and like look at the slides, which like you can be very set up for, which is nice. Yeah, that's. Uh... Some of the classes are like, yeah, we're going to go through the slides. We've already provided a link before class, so you can look at the slides with us, so you don't have to like look at the uh, uh, like the video feed to see yeah. what's on the slide. You can just follow through with it. Um, but yeah, it's for this university anyways, I don't know, but anywhere else, it's very uh, up to the students in tandem with the faculty and staff. Just make sure things keep going smoothly, be safe, and try to have a good time, I guess. Yeah, that's sick. All right, I've, I've taken up quite a bit of your your time. So, is there any like final uh, thing you want to get across in this podcast? Uh, nothing really. Just whoever's listening, just be safe, keep to yourself, be kind. I have I have a final thing that I want to get across to you, Grant. Okay. I enjoy our conversations, okay. and we need to play Minecraft oh. together soon. <laughs> Yes, I'm looking. I want to do that. I've been thinking about Minecraft for this past while. Every time I open up my desktop, I see it right there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, we we need to go back to our world. Uh, we need to develop our house a little bit more. We got to develop the garden. Yeah. Um. I I need to get killed by our berry bushes. Um, oh, especially the berry bushes. You got to watch out for the berry bushes. Those uh. No more uh, polar bears come out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> perfect but yeah thank, thanks so much for being on the show thanks for doing this and like I'm so happy for what you're doing because it, it just seems like you're actively helping people um, and, and you're doing it in a way that seems authentic to you and when when you have that when you're doing something that's authentic and that you take personal pride in like the sky's really the limit where you're going to reach and uh, I, I know where, where next time I look up, I'm gonna I'm gonna see a little little Grant flying oh, flying in my field of view. So come on, oh you too much. <laughs> no, I try to I try to do, try to do everything as best as I can underneath my own personal capacity. Um, and yeah, that's if it if my own limit is the sky, then I guess I guess that's what it is. So. Awesome. All right. We're going to, we're going to close this out then. So uh, for all you listening, thanks. Uh, thanks for being here. And uh, thanks obviously Grant for giving us this fantastic content. Um, well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on here. I love you all. I love you all too. All right. Don't do anything I wouldn't do or haven't done. I want to see you all here next week. <laughs>